Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Kroger, fresh for everyone. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. Given the time of morning we record this show or broadcast it live, given that time, it's a little bit unusual for breaking news to happen right as our show is coming on the air. For the most part, we're reacting to news and we're we're predicting how news is going to break throughout the day. But every so often, one of these stories kind of falls in your lap right before the show begins. Today's an example of that, and at least in terms of its potential impact on Georgia on the football field, it's maybe certainly it's certainly not good news, and you're left be left to determine how how challenging the situation ends up becoming. But there were multiple reports out there. I guess UJSports.com and uh, Docs 24-7 had this first. Dog Nation has a story up with Connor Riley right now as well. The Georgia left tackle, Jamari Salyer, is going to miss what's expected to be a couple of weeks because of a foot injury. Now, foot injuries, as you know, with some of the other Georgia players have a tendency to linger sometimes. So the fact that this only thought to be a couple of week deal, I, I guess that in itself is some silver lining to all of this. But also, Georgia fans, man, they just feel like they've been through the ringer when it comes to injuries with so many guys and so often. And listen, part of this is just because the medical stuff is just somewhat unknowable. But there's this sense in which, well, maybe it's only going to be a week or it's going to be week to week or day to day. And then all that ends up being four, five, six weeks. And in some cases, guys that were hurt before the season began for Georgia, you're still hoping to get them back healthy at some point in time that injuries just have a way of kind of lingering. And for a lot of fans, they feel like that, man, it's just really hard to get the clear picture of exactly what's going on with guys and their timetable. And sometimes it gets accelerated and it slows back down for other guys. It seems like it's moving pretty slow for a while. And you're just not really left to uh, be sure what to say. I mean, here's the one thing that that I'll say about this in regards to uh, to Salyer. You're not going to get much sympathy from the rest of the country right now because what Georgia is going to do, and, and the hope is that by the you know last couple of weeks of the season, moving into that game against whomever, possibly Alabama, more likely than not, maybe Alabama in the SEC championship, that Salyer's back and he's healthy and he's getting the rest that he needs now to be ready for all of that. But it is a reminder of just what Georgia has done so well. That if you lose a guy like Sal, or even for a brief window of time, the fact that you can step in and replace with a guy like Broderick Jones, as I said before, you have this notion that the other programs in the SEC, the other programs around the country are going to have any sympathy for you on that, just probably not when you've got that kind of depth overall in your program. But it is another example, though, of just kind of what Georgia has dealt with. A, a lot of challenges this year in relationship to injury. And there's a part of me that's just not quite so sure. Does it just seem like Georgia has this many injuries because the roster is so deep and everybody knows all the players and so therefore everything that happens on this roster is going to be magnified? Or is this really one of those things where Georgia's run towards a championship, potential championship, is just going to be filled with those landmines of bad luck that you just have to try to find some way to overcome? Maybe the, the truth is somewhere in the middle on something like that. But it goes back to, over and over again, the same thing that has been talked about throughout the entirety of the season. You get the impression, and we played this audio for you, was it Tuesday maybe we played this audio, that Kirby Smart used the word tremendous. He used the word tremendous to describe the way in which he thinks this team has come together this year. It's day-to-day leading to week-to-week preparation that leads to a team that's ranked number one, hasn't really played a close game since week one and really shows no signs of slowing down, even in light of the injuries that it's dealt with. 
And so, listen, I don't want to be flippant about this and say there is no injury this team could sustain that 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 would would slow it down. This team can't be stopped. I'm not gonna, I'm not going to be flippant in that regard. I mean, obviously, at some point in time, player absences do kind of add up, and they certainly make the job more difficult, even if they don't quite change the end of season goals. But I do think that when Smart says some of the things that he says. I know your eyes kind of gloss over sometimes. It sort of feels like the kind of paint-by-numbers coach speak that you just expect him to say. But, man, there is a vibe that Smart gives off when he talks about this team that I do take really seriously. I get the impression that Smart's really enjoying coaching this team. And I get the impression it's the it's the player-led situation there. It's the fact that the players take that leadership mantle. They take the lead uh, when it comes to things like that. And they have found a way to just keep everything in in perspective, whether it be the praise you get for being so good or the the challenges that come when you when you deal with those injuries. It seems like Smart is really happy with the way this team is preparing on a day-to-day basis and over the course of the the last multiple weeks. And so a team that's handled all of that before, you think they might be in a position to handle this Sire thing there too. And you obviously hope that this, maybe unlike some of the other injuries that George has dealt with, is one of those that truly does resolve itself sooner rather than later and it doesn't linger the way that even some of the other foot injuries did for Georgia a little bit earlier this year. So the bottom line is dognation.com got the story. Uh, I guess UJ Sports and uh, Dogs 24-7 had first, that Salyer is injured. He's going to be out for the game against Missouri on Saturday. You don't really need him there. George's, you know, 38-point favorite, something like that. Also maybe expected to miss next Saturday's game against Tennessee. That's a little bit more challenging. But once again, when you are number one, you earn yourself the luxury. When you've played as well as George has played, you earn yourself a lot of luxuries. And one of the luxuries that Georgia has right now is allowing a guy like Salyer to get healthy. So, we wish him well in doing just that. Now, here on Dog Nation Daily, uh, presented by Kroger, i got to shift gears now and talk about something even more unpleasant. And what's really frustrating about this is, is that we all want to know more. We all want to jump to a conclusion one way or another. And it's just so appropriate and so important that we not do that. Listen, I'm a blowhard that speaks into a microphone. I never shut up. I can talk for hours on end. But there are just some moments in life where saying less is better than saying more. And this is one of those instances. You know the story at dognation.com by now. At least most of you are aware that uh, Georgia linebacker Adam Anderson, the team's leader in sacks, is being investigated for an allegation of rape. That's not the same thing as being charged. It's really important to note that, that um, there is an incident report, but that's not a that's not a criminal charge right now against Anderson. We don't even know that a criminal charge is coming his way. We do know when this alleged incident occurred, though, just before Georgia left for Jacksonville last Saturday, you know, for Jacksonville last weekend. There's also been reports out there that Anderson missed practice time this week, multiple days of practice at least. There was a report from Mark Schleybaugh at ESPN that Anderson's now suspended indefinitely as this investigation is ongoing. Uh, there is a statement from Kirby Smart on this. Let me show you that. Uh, dognation.com has this. Just for simplicity's sake on the screen, I'm going to show you a tweet from Zach Klein. Uh, that's the statement from the lawyer. Can we show Kirby Smart's statement on this first? Um, th- just for simplicity's sake, I'm going to show you a tweet here from Zach Klein from WSB-TV who had the uh, statement uh, on his Twitter. He says, this is Kirby Smart's official statement. We're aware of the report and we don't comment on law enforcement matters, but I've been clear about the high standards we have for our student athletes on and off the field. I'm going to be working closely with our administration to ensure we cooperate fully with all law enforcement and campus protocols 
That is Kirby Smart. The statement from him related to the investigation ongoing against Adam Anderson. I think that's well said by Smart. I think that that Smart certainly gets it in that he has a stewardship. Smart is in charge of leading the Georgia program. And in a situation like this, he's got to step up and be that leader for the program. He's got to step up and be a representative for the university. And there's just a way you got to do that. And there are just there are things you got to say and there are things you got to do. You've got to be buttoned up and you got to make sure that you're handling all of that both in a public fashion, a private fashion. We have seen examples of college football coaches who maybe didn't take that role as seriously as they could, and it was damaging to their career when they made that mistake. Smart has always come across to me, whether it's how I handled the COVID stuff a year ago or some of the other issues that have popped up around college sports. He seems like a guy that comes across as thoughtful. He seems like the kind of guy that comes across as as very much self-aware of the of the position that that he has and the responsibility that comes with that position. So I think that's a good statement for Kirby Smart, appropriate under the circumstances. I wouldn't have expected anything less. Also, Adam Anderson has uh, an opportunity here as well, an opportunity to defend himself against whatever is being alleged of him, whether that allegation results in a criminal charge or not. He's got every right to defend himself. And obviously, in our society, the way that happens is you get a lawyer, let the lawyer speak on your behalf. And Anderson's lawyer stepped up and spoke for him yesterday there as well. And once again, you can read the statement from Anderson's lawyer at dognation.com. But just simplicity stake here, I, I, I pulled a tweet from uh, Seth Emerson because he's got the uh, statement kind of self-contained right there, just a little bit easier to share it that way. He says, uh, Steve Saddow, who's kind of a, I guess, a, a well-known attorney, he's represented some high-profile clients before, says on behalf of Mr. Adam Anderson that Adam denies in the strongest terms possible the unfounded, unsupported allegations of sexual misconduct. He's been notified of the allegations made to the police and to the UGA Opportunity uh, Office, that's the EOO, and has come to learn that the uh, complaint has already apparently made, uh, the complainant has already made uh, inconsistent claims that she was, quote, unconscious during the conduct to the EOO, but, quote, awoke from sleep by the uh, con, uh, by the conduct to the police. In the interest of justice and fairness, Adam hopes and prays the UJ community and the public can keep an open mind and not prejudge him based on inconsistent, unsubstantiated, and baseless accusations. So that's kind of the statement out there for him. And once again, Adam's got every legal right to defend himself vehemently uh, against this and aggressively against this, and it seems like that's what he's going to do. And this obviously comes as a great shock to all of us, and you're all kind of like like me saying, boy, you'd love to just blink your eyes, wake up, and have this all be just some gigantic misunderstanding, and the whole world gets put back together um, the way it was before yesterday. But unfortunately, in situations like this, it's just not quite that easy. And it may be a, a good while before we have any resolution to this whatsoever. And, you know... I just think it's possible to pray for everybody involved, and that's, I guess, what I try to do. I mean, if if if, if you're the young lady in this incident, it is not an easy thing to step up and say that you were wronged. Um, that that takes a lot of bravery to be able to do that. And if you're Anderson, he's clearly got a side of this story himself that he wants to tell, and he's got every right to do that. And I just think the appropriate thing for me, and maybe for all of us, is just to step back and let this process play out and and certainly hope for happier times uh, for for everybody involved. So no easy way to transition off that, but this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We're presented today by Kroger, and we are 
with you at 945 on, and we can bring that down just a little bit if you don't mind. We are with you at 945 on the uh, Dog Nation homepage. Let's bring that way down if we can. Um, DogNation.com homepage, uh, Dog Nation app. Also, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch. That's our video platform starting at 10 a.m. And, of course, we are uh, also available podcast on all the various podcast players. We are available on the radio at noon on Athens Sports Radio 960 The Ref. And just really happy to have all of you with us on the uh, program today, no matter how you get to us. And a big thanks to our friends at Kroger for making it all possible. You know, I love what Kroger does for us. And, listen, uh, I love what Kroger can also do for you there as well. Right now, one of the most important things a lot of folks are thinking, especially as you head towards the holidays, is you're looking for a great job. And my friends at Kroger are going to be hosting a hiring event that's going to give you a chance to get one of those great jobs. It's going to be coming up Wednesday, November 10th. It's 2 to 5 p.m. It's for veterans and their families. Now, listen, there's all kinds of great benefits when it comes to pursuing a career at Kroger. But some of the stuff you get at flexible schedule, next day pay, up to $21,000 in tuition reimbursement and more for our veterans and their families right now. So here's the website to go to. It's the Krogerco.com. It's a little bit different website than I've given you before. It's the Krogerco.com slash hiring dash event. Once again, the Krogerco.com slash hiring dash event. And you can find out more about that. You can also stop by and just speak to someone in a Kroger store. They'll be happy to give you all the information you need on that. So if you're a veteran of our uh, great armed forces or you're the family member of a veteran, uh, this is a great time to get involved in a great career at Kroger and find out why so many people that watch us and listen to us are really thankful for the job opportunities they've been given by Kroger. And they can do some of those same things for you there as well. So find out a lot more about that. All right. So here is my, I guess, attempt here for all of you. Now, listen, I can't make light of anything that happened with Anderson and, you know, the injury situation of Salyer is a totally different type of deal. But here's what I'm going to try to do now. We've gotten that out there. I gave you the facts in the Anderson thing. Obviously, you know, kind of a little somewhat surprised to start the show on a much note of lesser importance, but still an impact for Jordan the football field with the Salyer thing. So let me do this. From this point forward, no more bad news. Uh, bad news is part of life. Bad news creeps into the world of football. But here on this Friday, from the point forward going on now, Let's just try to try to look at some different stuff. And doesn't mean the other stuff's not important and there'll be time to talk about it as more details come out. But for the rest of the show, let's move off that. Let's get to something else. And let's try to do that as we transition to Around the Doghouse, which is delivered today by our friends at Marco's Pizza. Now, when uh, Herschel Walker, the 1982 Heisman Trophy winner, was on our show last Friday, said something I thought was pretty interesting. I was talking about, you know, as someone who won a national championship, how do you feel about Georgia's pursuit of a national championship here again this year. And you should go back and check the video. Uh, now, listen, a lot of you heard it on podcast. I know we had a little bit of an audio issue with the, with the interview on video last week, but it's actually contained for you on the Dog Nation YouTube page. So if you didn't get the full experience with Herschel last week, you can go back and watch it on YouTube or go back and listen to last Friday's podcast. The audio is crystal clear on all of that for the Herschel Walker interview. But one of the things that Walker said was he kind of laid out some reasons why he thinks that actually this year's Georgia team in a lot of ways may be better than the team that he played on in 1980 which certainly gets some attention. But there's actually something else, um, another comparison that I think is probably pretty interesting when it comes to the Georgia Bulldogs. And listen, I know this is one of those things that just kind of sounds like something you're supposed to say, but just think about this for a moment. Can't you make a case that right now this Georgia team, at least to some degree, reminds you of the 2017 Georgia team just a little bit? I mean, can't you make that case a little bit? I mean, obviously – you know, great play from defensive guys echoing what Roquan Smith did in 2017 is just one example of that. But even some of the statistical stuff is really pretty remarkable. In 2017, you know how many points per game Georgia average? 
37.5. You know how many points per game Georgia's averaging right now? 37.9. Uh, beyond that, you know, you look at what Stetson Bennett's currently doing. Now, listen, we don't know what JT Daniels' future is going to hold. Maybe Daniels plays on Saturday. Maybe he plays some on Saturday and plays the entirety of the season the rest of the way. Well, we don't quite know about that. But what we do know is, is that with Daniels' sideline and Bennett playing, what we've seen is Georgia kind of settle into a situation that, once again, where the offense kind of looks like it did in 2017. Now, they're not running the ball nearly as successfully as they did back then with Chubb and Michelle. And if DeAndre Swift's your third running back, then you're a really good rushing attack. Georgia's not nearly as successful at that right now. Georgia averaged like 258 yards a game or something crazy on the ground in 2017. So they're not quite approaching that standard as of yet. But the overall formula, I would say, is is pretty similar right now, that Georgia is is rushing it better now than they were earlier in the year. And they're actually maybe throwing a little bit less. They actually threw the ball a ton against Clemson, are throwing it less per game right now. But if you look at uh, Stetson Bennett's average, he's averaging like 11 yards per attempt or something crazy like that, or you know, you know, double-digit yards per attempt almost for the uh, season right now. Now, he hasn't thrown the ball enough to qualify for the league lead, the SEC lead in that category. But when he has thrown it, he's thrown it at a very efficient clip. Same thing was true for Jake Fromm back in 2017, where, once again, as a true freshman quarterback, Georgia didn't ask Fromm to throw the ball very much at all. But when he did throw, he was throwing for what, more nine yards per attempt. He was, you know, near the near, near the top in the country when it came to came to a statistic like that that really matters to me. Yards per attempt is always going to be very important to me because it's the intersection intersection, if you will, of of explosiveness. You know, do you throw for big yards and efficiency? Do you throw for a high percentage? If you really want to find out the intersection of how efficient you are in terms of completing passes, how explosive you are in terms of how far down the field those throws go, yards per attempt is always going to be that. Fromm didn't throw it much in 2017, but when he did, his yards per attempt number is really pretty high. Same thing for Stetson Bennett right now. His yards per attempt number are really pretty high there as well. Now, here is what the old me would have said in response to this. Now, I'm, and by the old me, what I mean is as recently as last year, certainly in 2019, probably even 2018 there as well, that, well, it's great that Georgia's a really good defensive team, and it's great that they are, you know, once again becoming a, a really good running team, rushing attack team, and they're not throwing it very much right now, but when they are, they're throwing it efficiently. Like, it's great that Georgia's doing that. But once you get to the national championship, once you get to the college football playoff, you've got to have the high-powered offense. You've got to have the high-powered quarterback. Some of y'all can probably think of a couple dozen instances when I've said that. Some, some of y'all can probably think of many, many times when I've, you know, at least figuratively speaking, pounded my fist on the table and made that case over and over and over again. You've heard me do that over and over again. And this is where I kind of have a little bit of an internal debate with myself because I guess in a roundabout way, I do think that's still true. In a roundabout way, I do think that while Georgia does look a pretty good bit like from a playing personality standpoint, it looks a good bit like the team in 2017 that won the SEC, made the college football playoff, won a thrilling Rose Bowl, came within an eyelash of, uh, of winning the national championship year, uh, that year. This team does resemble that team, but it doesn't right now particularly resemble the 2018 Clemson team that throttled Alabama, the 2019 LSU team that throttled everybody, or the 2020 Alabama team that was maybe more explosive than either of the last two. It doesn't particularly resemble those teams very much. And maybe that's a harbinger of doom for Georgia to come later on this season. It certainly could be. Uh, you can't help but notice the way in which this Georgia team feels like an outlier in comparison to recent national champions. But let me try to put a silver lining on all of this. And you can agree with me on this or not, but at least acknowledge the possibility of this for a moment. 
Yesterday, we made a comparison between Georgia and other national championship contenders based on the the complementary football that these teams are playing. That Georgia and Alabama are the only two teams in the country with an offensive and defensive efficiency in the top 10, at least based on the ESPN football power index. Everybody else is way more imbalanced than that. But think about those teams offensively that are in contention for the national championship right now. See what you notice. We just last week saw Michigan State stay undefeated, beating Michigan in really a pretty thrilling game. Why is Michigan State a national championship contender right now? It's because of what they're doing with the rushing attack. They got a Heisman Trophy candidate at, at, at the rushing attack, and that's allowing Michigan State to be in the conversation for the college football playoff. Maybe they get there, maybe they don't, but the reason why they're in that discussion right now is because of how they've run the football. I think you'd say the same thing for Oregon there too. Oregon is a little bit like what Georgia has been, the West Coast version of that. Even with Justin Herbert in the program a couple of years ago, this was not a super high-powered, throw-the-ball-all-over-the-field type team, You know what you think of as what, maybe what Chip Kelly used to be, super explosive offense, trying to run 100 plays a game. That's not the Mario Cristobal style. And even bringing in Joe Moorhead in his offensive coordinator, that really hasn't changed too much. Oregon's a little bit of a run-first type team out there in the Pac-12, and yet they use that formula to, to, to beat Ohio State a little earlier. Uh, this year in fact you can kind of go on and on through those top teams in college football not it's not so much in Oklahoma and all of a sudden now you know after running the ball pretty well early in the season Ohio State's starting to throw it a little bit more you, you find some outliers there but for the most part you're seeing the rushing attack be a little bit more a part I believe of the national conversation in college football than it's been in the past so I'm not quite so sure what you do with that admittedly I think it's kind of a cool thing that Georgia looks so much like the team that's been the most successful under Kirby Smart in 2017, but concurrent to that, it's also admittedly true that that recipe didn't win the title in 2017. They fell just short in 2018, 2019, 2020. It seemed like the sport was greatly moving away from that. But look around. There's no Mac Jones. There's no Devontae Smith. There's no Joe Burrow. There's certainly not a Joe Burrow. You know, there's no Trevor Lawrence right now. Is there a chance that the sport itself is just regressing away from the kind of high-powered explosive offenses that have won national championships in recent seasons? I think it's still to be determined if that's true or not. But to the extent that it is true, I think you'd have to say that's pretty good news for UGA and the profile with which it's playing right now. That is Around the Doghouse. It's delivered today by our friends at Marco's Pete's. And, of course, Marco's, a great uh, thing to turn to. You're getting ready to settle in for the parade this afternoon. I know uh, my children were disappointed they couldn't go to the parade. So they got a bunch of kids coming over, going to watch the parade there around our living room. And I'm guessing I won't be there, but I'm guessing I did walk in. The other thing that you'd see strewn all over the, the living room with those kids, a bunch of boxes from Marco's Pizza, because that's what we do. We get stocked up on that Marco's Pizza when the uh, folks are coming over because you can feed a lot of hungry mouths. It tastes good. And it's a, a great price there as well. So whether you're doing that this afternoon or heading through the weekend, whatever you're doing, Marco's Pizza goes great with uh, all of that. Uh, you can get all kinds of great options, whether it be one of those uh, wonderful you know, uh, specialty pizzas like the white cheesy, the deluxe, the all meat, or you can even build your own pizza bowl, which is like the pizza flavor that the crust. It's a whole bunch of great options there at Marco's Pizza, and it's a whole bunch of great savings as well. How about this bundle right now of a large one-topping pizza, the pizza bowl, which I was just telling you about, the cheesy bread, all just for $21.99. You can get that right now by ordering on the Marco's app or going to marcos.com. Now, there are some restrictions that apply, so check in store for details. But remember this, when it comes to Marco's Pizza, pizza lovers get it, and you can get some too as you head towards the weekend. All right, good to have you with us here today on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger. Before we're done, some very cool complimentary words this week from Kirby Smart about his predecessor at Georgia, Mark Rick. Rick's going to be honored 
here this weekend at Sanford Stadium. I don't want you to miss this. I don't want this to get lost in the shuffle from what is otherwise turning into a pretty busy end-of-week news cycle, so we'll do that. But for now, as I said before, we're going to try to keep the happy vibes going here for a little bit and try to turn the attention away from some of the other stuff um, now that we've taken care of that business. Let's get into everything going on with UGA Recruiting right now, and there is potentially a lot going on with UGA Recruiting, so let's do it all right now as we go on the road with Jeff Sintel, assisted by AAA. Good to have you with us, too. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. All right, we'll say hello to Jeff Sintel here on the road, assisted by AAA, and this is one of those moments, like once again, where on the road really is certainly appropriate. Uh, Jeff and I will speak now and then see each other later on this evening there at Woodward Academy for a terrific game on Peachtree TV, streaming at CBS46.com, region championship on the line between Woodward Academy and Creekside. Let me tell you this you got big-time college prospects on both sides of this game, so that's going to be a ton of fun. Can't wait to kind of dive into that a little bit deeper uh, later on here this evening. But, Jeff, before we get there, a lot of recruiting news to take care of. So I, I certainly appreciate you being with us here this morning. Brandon, good morning. I think I think the way things have gone over the last uh, 16 hours or so, I was, I, was, I was on cover four just looking at my phone, seeing if there was any commits about to happen. Um, cause I, that would been, that would have been the time to kind of break the mood a little bit about how things have been going with the Sawyer news and the unfortunate, uh, storyline there involving Adam Anderson at this time. Um, but hope springs eternal. George is going to have basically its last, uh, major impactful, uh, home game official visit, uh, recruiting weekend, uh, teed up for tomorrow. Well, I want to start right there then because there's obviously a lot of, other guys who've been pretty active on social media this week talking about upcoming announcements or teasing decisions. There's, it's been a pretty active week on social media for a good number of uh, UGA guys, but since you brought it up, let's begin right there. What can you preview for us in terms of a chance to get some you know, recruits in the stadium on Saturday, or early noon start, obviously a logistical issue once again, but what's that list looking like here right now? Yeah, I think it starts with uh... – you know, one of the things we try to do here in this lane of all of our coverage platforms at Dog Nation is I try to, to to really tell the stories behind these recruits. And the piece I'm working on that will go up today on DogNation.com is about uh, perhaps the greatest German import to America, at least American football. Uh, fill in the blank there with your favorite uh, car or uh, type of machine manufacturer there. That's Hero Canoe, a very aptly named Hero Canoe. Uh, parents are Nigerian and, uh, European. Uh, it's funny the name Hero, uh, very interesting how that probably is going to be on the all name team for all time. But right at about two or three years ago, he wasn't even playing football, man. He was a, uh, center back and he was a goalkeeper right outside of Munich. And, uh, there's so many threads to weave here. There's a former American college football player that now runs a scouting service in Europe where they identify uh, international talent, European talent, and bring them over stateside to play American college football. And that's why Hero Canoe is now in California taking these official visits. He's been to Ohio State, Notre Dame, and Oklahoma over the last three weeks. Mom actually flew over from Germany to be with him in California for this last month so she can go on all these impactful vi- visits. And let me tell you, Brandon, he went to see Georgia a couple times during the summer. He has stacked up his trips to where Georgia has the last one, and uh, he's going to get to see a very 
uh, impressive program. I think when you consider you're the number one team in America, I think that sounds different to a young man from Europe. And uh, great relationships already established with Travion Scott and the Georgia staff. And uh, he's been watching Georgia football all along, all along, Brandon. I remember him telling me he was watching the Clemson game. He can't, he couldn't imagine how so many fans came from Georgia up to a couple other states to watch the team play and to support the team. He he watched the pick six from Chris Smith. He realized the team had seven sacks. And he's been really been looking forward to this trip to see Georgia for quite a, a long time now. So bringing a guy like potentially Canoe, you know, with the uh, German heritage, it reminds me so much, and a lot of Georgia fans of a certain age, you know, remember bringing over Richard Tarditz back in the 1980s, the Baritz Blitz from France. So it was a great uh, pass rusher for UGA back in the late stages, the Dooley era. For some reason, thinking about Canoe and his background makes me think a little bit about Richard Tarditz and what he once was for Georgia all those many years ago. Well, you know, Georgia's recruiting staff will think of everything, and you better be sh- assured that they're going to bring up, you know, you wouldn't be the first guy from Europe to come over here and star and set some school records and be revered by this fan base. You know, there was a fellow from France that also did kind of much the same things you're trying to do with being a European import into the college game. And I guess I guess if I was a hype master or a circus master, uh, Brandon, I could say that the, the still the nation's best player is coming to visit the number one player in the country is coming to visit Georgia this weekend. And it just turns out this, in this instance that the number one player is in Germany. And the number one player in the European Union is coming to visit Georgia this weekend. Yeah, certainly kind of interesting to think about that. Let me bounce around with a few more names here as we're on the road. It's just by uh, AAA with uh, Jeff Sintel here today. Obviously, one of the things that got my attention is we're now, I think, what, just inside of two weeks away from four-star wide receiver Andre Green Jr. making his college announcement, Georgia and Clemson, North Carolina, the three hats on the table here. I, I guess I've kind of gone in and out of, you know, wondering if if Georgia and Green were a realistic possibility. And, you know, obviously the two teams that Georgia's competing with haven't exactly had the world's greatest seasons here. Have the Clemson struggles or the UNC struggles, especially UNC, given the fact that at one point in time it was kind of thought to be a hot team on the rise. And that, for the most part, hasn't happened, although they are favored against Wake Forest on Saturday. But the point is, does does the UNC-Clemson struggle help Georgia with Green at all, or is – or is is that unrealistic? Here's what I think is unrealistic in that statement, Brandon. Uh, I think Georgia has always been in the final three, kind of uh, maybe the silent soft final three with Andre Green Jr. I don't think it's the withering of those two schools so much as it is the continued achievement of Georgia, the way they're putting players um, into great positions to succeed. I think one of the pitches, which is kind of one of those bizarro pitches, is Georgia can say, look what we're doing with these you know, guys that we didn't even expect to be our frontline receivers this year. Look how we're producing. Look how they're producing. Look how quickly you could get into this offense, get into this Todd Munkin system, and start making some plays. I think really the, the timeline for Andre Green Jr. is Clemson was the school. Clemson was kind of the – quote-unquote dream school, the, or the school that he always followed. He knows that they only offer four or five receivers every year, and they usually sign two or three of those. Uh, his offer came very late. I think it allowed some schools like North Carolina especially and Georgia to kind of get into the picture. But, I mean, every time I've, every time I've interacted, every time Green has told me about Georgia, he's used the words truly amazing. There's nothing not to like about Georgia. Um, how much – they kind of feel like they've been a priority throughout. Georgia kind of kept continuing, continuing to recruit him hard, even during the Luther Burden saga. 
I can remember, I think last week he told me that Kirby Smart on the Thursday before the Florida game, he got on a, he, he was scheduled to be on a Zoom call, uh, talking up all things Georgia. I think, that, I think this is a situation where Green Jr. sees three really cozy and ideal fits. And now he's just looking for something that will separate one from the other two. So if I'm a Georgia fan who wants to see Georgia still bring in that impact wide receiver, add that name to the 2022 class, is flipping Kojo Antwi my best, most realistic, most likely to occur circumstance? Is is that where I'm looking right now? If I'm looking to add that big name receiver, and you know, listen, and Antwi's like a top 20 national receiver. Uh, so you know he's not as highly rated as some of the guys we talked about, but he is like a top 150 recruit, so that's still a pretty big time prospect. But the point is, is if, if I'm looking to add that big receiver, is Antwi the most likely name that right now? I don't know. You, you, you kind of separate two questions there. One of those is is he the most likely, bit, you know, highly rated receiver to come to Georgia? I, I think that's debatable, but I think what you're looking for is I don't think they're. I don't think there's any other receiver out there that would have the prestige or the, oh, my gosh, let's get excited about this guy. This guy's going to come in and do some pretty special things really early on. The thing with Antwi is his skill set, only about 5'11", maybe 185, 190 pounds. That kind of fits into the archetypes that Georgia has right now with other very desirable, very productive high school receivers in Denial and Morissette, Dylan Bell. Uh, they've kind of got – sort of players like that that are all going to do those same same things and the same body types. For me, Andre Green Jr., I've long looked at him as a top-five receiver in any cycle, the type of guy that can do Pickens-esh things uh, really early on at Georgia. I think Green could be that guy. Green's the one that you want the home run hitter, you want the sticks of dynamite, you can want the guy that just has incredible ball skills. And I know everybody's ear hears Andre Green Jr., and they start thinking about A.J. Green, but that's kind of been the pitch where Georgia wants him to come in and be a transcendent receiver for the program. I don't think any of the other names left out there, potential flips. I mean, there's the, Georgia's going to have to wade through a big mess with LSU and Alabama to really get into the mix. They are into the mix with Shaz Preston. They're in the top top four there, final four there with Shaz Preston. But uh, that's kind of the two names I would think of. It would be Shaz Preston. It would be Andre Green Jr. Those are those guys that you would look at them in any cycle and you would go, this guy does a lot of things to stand out. This guy has true All-American game-breaker talent, early impact type guys. I think that's the tier of prospect that if you're looking for that great closing addition to the Georgia class, I think those were the two names I would focus on. That's certainly interesting. I don't know, speaking of the word interesting, I don't know there's anything right now related to UJ recruiting potentially more interesting than what – might be going with Julian Humphrey, who obviously this kind of dovetails with the war of words by proxy that's going to happen between Kirby Smart and Dan Mullen related to what Mullen has said about recruiting, what Smart has said about recruiting. And obviously we've seen Florida lose its top two rated recruits in its class. Uh, recently, Mullen's really been grilled for the lack of success in recruiting. And then obviously there's nothing that Georgia fans would love more than to see UGA really punctuate all that by swooping in and getting a guy like Humphrey, a good-looking defensive back who's been, I think, at times thought to be connected to Georgia, made it official by decommitting from Florida, has hinted on social media a lot as of late that he's that he's ready to make a new decision. Uh, how well-positioned do you think Georgia is for that with Humphrey? Yeah, I think Georgia uh, certainly established itself as the team to beat. Kind of ironic, Brandon, how he uh, he hits the reverse 
gear backs up his recruitment and his, his final three doesn't even have Florida in the final three when at one point he was the chief recruiter uh, for Georgia. It's kind of like, in a, I guess, in a Florida fan's eyes and viewpoints, this would be like a, a Malachi Starks or a Jalen Walker or a Richard LeCount hit the eject button from a class when just as recently as that Alabama morale-sustaining morale eruption for for Florida when they almost beat Alabama. That was Humphrey. I remember him. He was in town that week. He was touting that um, that's the direction the program is heading and look how close they are to Alabama. And then he, he commits less than three months later and he doesn't even have Florida in the final three. Brendan, one of the coaches, one of the programs that's in his final three, LSU, doesn't even have a head coach right now. So no one even knows whether or not the new LSU will retain Corey Raymond or not. Likely they will because He's so very good at what he does, but you really got Texas A&M, Georgia, and then LSU there for Julian Humphrey, and he's already established. He's already been quoted as saying Georgia is his clear leader, and there's a lot to like about him, what he can bring to the table. Jaheim Singletary is another guy that's expected back in Athens uh, this weekend, uh, five-star uh, cornerback out of Jacksonville, former Ohio State decommitment. You want to talk about a good closing flurry of uh, punches for Georgia's defensive back room in the 2022 class those two guys would set the table for being ideal you know and another thing Georgia just seems to value Julian Humphrey even a lot more than his home state Texas A&M Aggies do um and that's another thing that it's really amazing how Georgia identified Humphrey as a need went out to see him with coach Will Muschamp during a game week and it seems like it seems like Georgia has been recruiting Julian Humphrey as one of its prized recruits, even when he was still on the board for Florida. It's all on the road, assisted by AAA with Jeff Sintel right now. And obviously, as Jeff and I can attest, we think about AAA when we are on the road. Legendary roadside assistance, they take care of you if something happens when you're on the highway, and that's really good peace of mind. But there's also an additional peace of mind that AAA can provide you, and it may not be a service that you're aware of. Did you know that AAA is the one you should turn to when it comes to life insurance and First of all, I don't need to tell you that if you're like me, if you're a family man, if you've got a spouse, if you've got uh, children, that you've got a responsibility to help take care of that family. And that responsibility extends even beyond your own lifespan. That's where life insurance steps in. It gives you the comfort of knowing that no matter what happens to you, and gosh, we all know that life is unpredictable. We don't need reminders of that. But no matter what happens, those that you love can be financially secure, well taken care of. Even in the uh, event something were to happen to you, that's a that's a precious gift to be able to give to yourself and to your family, knowing that folks are going to be taken care of in perpetuity. And that's what uh, AAA can provide for you there as well. So you can reach out and speak to one of their financial services associates, and they can help explain how the process of getting life insurance is actually really pretty simple. So a couple different ways to get in touch. It's 866-695-0222. That's 866-695-0222. You can also stop by and just speak to a AAA office or to one of the folks there in person, friendly people that will help you walk you through the entire thing. Or you can go online, begin your shopping experience and your search there, aaa.com slash life. That's AAA.com slash life. That'll get you in touch with AAA today, and you can make the decision to get life insurance through AAA. I know that you'll be glad that you did. Jeff, one of the things I think is really fun about the age in which we live is the interaction that goes on with recruits when it comes to to social media. And, you know, listen, a lot of times if you want to use social media as a predictor for where a player is going to go, that'll end up being a false positive. But if you want to use it as a entertainment vehicle throughout the process, boy, that seems to work every single time. I love the exchange this week. We showed this on the show a little earlier this week, but I love the exchange 
between uh, Mikael Williams and Christian Miller. Obviously, Miller's one of those guys that's been you know thought to be connected to Ohio State, taking a high-profile visit to the Buckeyes. Maybe as of late, Alabama's kind of become a player for Miller here a little bit. But uh, Christian was showing some love to Ohio State on Twitter the other day. Mikael Williams, the outstanding UGA commit, who's a friend of Miller's, jumps in there and kind of teases him for that. And I said before, you know, if you want to go back, you know, decades ago, the entirety of the recruiting process was just guesswork. These were just names on a page. You never really felt like you got to know the players all that well. But here in this 21st century, modern age, which we live, it's a lot easier to do that. And I love the exchange between guys like Miller and Williams and the rest on social media. I just think that kind of stuff is fun. And uh, good to see Mikel uh, keeping that pressure on Christian Miller if you're a Georgia fan. I, I think that uh, dog fans would all agree with that. It's funny between the relationship with those two, Brandon. I'm going to tell you what. If if Brandon needed a day off to go have a parade and we had to deputize a couple of recruits to come in and host maybe a Before the Hedges or maybe a Cover 4 Live or uh, a Dog Nation Daily, I'm going to tell you, Christian Miller and uh, Mikael, Mikael Williams can certainly do it. And it's funny, Christian is kind of like the accelerator, the instigator of a lot of things between those two, but it's really fun to see Mikael kind of needle him back uh, when it comes to maybe putting him in a little bit of a corner or just maybe needling him a little bit and teasing him a little bit with playing with folks' emotions. It's very, very interesting. Get those two together. They're always laughing. They're always cracking on one another. They do want to play college football together. Georgia has done a tremendous job with Christian Miller over the last four or five months of his recruitment, making him feel like a priority. And it's really – I mean, Alabama's going to be a great visit. I'm sure he's going to make Nick Saban laugh. He's going to take some pictures, Christian Will, this weekend – Kind of one of those Rushmore offers every recruit wants to get. Christian certainly deserves every offer in the country. Really what goes through my mind when he he can tout an Alabama offer now is just scratching my head. And I was like, now I know they have better than dial-up internet there in Tuscaloosa. I can't imagine they haven't seen his huddle film before now. It's it's more like a, a thing when an Alabama offers a player like Christian Miller so late, it's almost like, wow, they hadn't offered yet? Uh, it is crazy because you look at Christian Miller – and I was trying to put this into perspective for some folks this week on Hedges. But you look at Christian Miller, and you, you seriously have a, a savage, a well-developed, uh, get-ready-to-roll, get-ready-to-rock type prospect. Uh, technique is great. Effort rate is great. Uh, and then you compare him to a hero canoe, a guy that folks he's only been playing football for about two years. And, but the athleticism is there. It looks like he looks more like he's 255 pounds when he's really 295 pounds. That's how – athletic and sleek hero canoe looks but you look at christian miller he looks like a war daddy he looks like one of those finished products already uh and he's going to be a gym for someone's recruiting class and he gets to go to alabama i'm glad he gets to go to alabama this weekend because the player of that caliber deserves to get that red carpet or excuse me that crimson carpet treatment from tuscaloosa and those two guys should they both end up at georgia are really going to provide some great theater you want to talk about Having a, a preseason show with a pair of play a pair of players on the same team with personality galore, that would be those two if uh, Miller and uh, Miller and Williams both end up playing together at Georgia. So you bring up something uh, very interesting. I'm gonna let you go after this, but um, the idea that the way in which recruits behave now could maybe set them up for a future in the NIL stuff. And you know, I'm a big golf fan. The PGA Tour has this thing they're instituting called the PIP Report. It's like the Player Impact Program, and basically it's. <laughs> It's, uh, it's sort of hard to explain, but it's basically how active you are in social media and how much attention you generate. You could get more money from the uh, PGA Tour for being just good at social media. And 
I do think there's a pretty interesting tie-in with that to some of the Georgia stuff there as well. For a lot of these guys who are like really aggressive cheerleaders for Georgia, uh, somebody like Denylon Morissette, for instance, Jalen Walker, for instance. I mean, listen, you know, I'd like to see all these guys cash in on their name, image, and likeness. Um, but for guys like that who've just been really, I'm talking about waving the flag for UGA and recruiting all the way around, to me, it would be just deserved if guys like that ultimately got to get the big NIL check for the fact that they were so aggressive with their own player impact program before they got to Georgia. I think you may be onto something there, Jeff. A lot of these guys may be financially incentivized to just go out there and do the kind of stuff on social media that fans enjoy seeing. I mean, the thing with Miller that's so intriguing is the man already has his own YouTube channel. He, he does blogs. He does TikToks with the arts department at, uh, Cedar Grove High School almost every day where he's doing dance contests. It looks like Brandon in the studio after Georgia lands another five-star recruit. Uh, he's a really personable guy, very, very warm, very inviting. And, you know, the best thing I love about Christian's story is that he broke his leg when he was a high school freshman and the doctors told him he'd never play football again. He went up and he was trying to show his teammates how he could dunk already as a high school freshman defensive tackle. And um, so what he did is he had to reinvent himself because the doctor said, your, your football dreams are over, son. You've got to figure out a new path in your life. And that's what Christian was struggling with. So he jumped into acting. He jumped, jumped into video. He jumped into, you know, theater, drama, elements like that. And he, he really forged himself a brand new identity about what his life's path was going to be. He was going to be an entertainer. He was going to make people laugh. Got a lot of family members that grew up in the church. So he know he knew about public speaking. He knew about being very outgoing. And then uh, he, he keeps the faith. He keeps praying. And the, about six, seven, eight months later, the doctors say, you know, your leg's probably fully healed again. You can try playing football again. And then he, he basically had crafted two sides of his persona. And now they work so well together in unison that it's going to really further his endeavor in terms of a lot of NIL money, a lot of just being very outspoken, being a guy that's going to be very – very, very camera friendly and a guy that not only is camera friendly, but a guy that creates some impactful content when he does so. Jeff, it is so great to have you here on the road. Assisted by AAA. Appreciate all of that. I'll look forward to seeing you tonight. By the way, I guess give me a quick thought. Uh, Woodward Academy, Creekside, these are two very talented teams. I love this time of year, region championship uh, time, moving towards that playoffs. We're going to have a great run through the month of November into the end of the high school football season on Peachtree TV, CBS46.com. Uh, efforting some terrific playoff games, a great conclusion to our regular season slate tonight. How much fun is this going to be? Yeah, Woodward Academy is a program that actually has a lot of ties, to more ties to Georgia football than you think. Uh, I mean, Brock Vandegrift, his father was a coach there before he transferred to, before they moved to Prince Avenue Christian. Brock Vandegrift kind of grew up in the weight room at Woodward Academy watching a guy like Elijah Holyfield work out. That kind of set the tone for Brock in terms of the work ethic he needed to be to be a college football player. And then you've got, you know, that's also where Eric, Eric Gilbert was, you know, spent some of the formative years of his high school and his middle school career. He's inside that program as well. I think when he got his offer from Georgia when he was in the summer of the eighth grade, he was still technically classified as a as a member of the Woodward Academy team. And then the thing that kind of brings it all present day is. When you look at a player like Damari Alston, a really talented in-state running back, Ohio State liked him for a long time. He winds up he winds up choosing Auburn. And when you watch him play, I think folks, it's going to go through your mind. Is it's like maybe the Georgia fans that will be watching the broadcast as they will go, okay, 
this is the type of player that's really pretty good, especially really good on the high school stage. And it makes one think just how good Jordan James and Branson Robinson must be for Georgia to go outside of the state to look for those national elite running backs to play for RBU. No, I think that's right, Jeff. Uh, good stuff all the way around. We'll see you there tonight for that terrific game on Petrie TV, CBS46.com. Can't wait for that. And, of course, we'll see you next Friday once again back here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger and on the road, assisted by AAA. We'll look forward to talking to you then. Hey, Brandon, one more name i got to drop. I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't let folks know about a key, impactful 2023 visitor out of Mississippi. Think about this for a second, Georgia brought N'Kobe Dean out of Mississippi when yep. he was the number one player in that state. Branson Robinson is another guy, number one player in that state in this 2022 recruiting class. There's a young man uh, by the name of Sunterine Perkins. Going to have that story up on Dog Nation soon as well. But this is a guy, he's a top 60 overall prospect, Brandon. I think he's a lot better than that. I'm going to put him in the same Parthenon of ability with a N'Kobe Dean and a Branson wow. Robinson. He's about 6'3", he's about 215 really loves Georgia, really loves the connection he's built with the staff. I went to see him in Mississippi, Brandon, when I was there in um when I was there to check out Big Bear and Branson and a lot of other guys. One of the reasons I really wanted to make that trip was to get to trip to, was to get to meet Sunterane Perkins. And I'm gonna tell you, I drive up in that high school. Here's a sneak preview of the story. I drive up into that high school Hop out of the rental car. It's one of those small towns where when there's a, there's a, there's a unique vehicle or an uncommon vehicle that pulls up in front of the football field house. Everybody like averts their eyes and their heads are on a swivel. They're like, who's that? And one of the things that you could immediately find amongst 40 teammates was you knew who Sunterane Perkins was about six, three, about two, 210, 215 pounds. And what was in his hand, what was around his neck, but a Georgia lanyard that they'd given him when he was on his unofficial visit over the summer. Okay. That's what he keeps his keys on. That's what he wears around his neck. Uh, months later, uh, to me, when you see those little things out of a prospect, I mean, he could have had a Mississippi State lanyard on. He could have had an Alabama. He could have had a Ole Miss. Uh, he was still rocking the Georgia G months after his trip. It's going to be a long drive, Brandon, from uh, Jackson, Mississippi, over to Athens, Georgia, for a noon kickoff, but he's going to make it. And um, I'm going to tell you, that guy, uh, there's some viral highlights going on of him, going on of him so far playing Wildcat quarterback, outside linebacker, inside linebacker, doing a little bit of everything for his team, catching passes. There's a couple of plays he's made this year, Brandon, where you know his high school region is a big wing tee region. Sunterane Perkins is taking the pitch before the back can get to it and treating it like a pick six and housing that thing for a touchdown. You want to talk about a play when you think you've seen every play indescribable of a football play for a high school recruit? You see a young man do that twice in a high school season and house both of those at about 6'3", 215, inside linebacker projection here, although he's already rated as an athlete. That's a really special football player, and he will also be in Athens on Saturday as well. Boy, good update there, Jeff. Thanks so much for your time. I uh, really appreciate that. Certainly very interesting background information, and we'll look forward to the opportunity to chat with you again soon. Take it easy, everybody. Have a great week. Drive safe. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. All right, terrific with uh, Jeff Sintel there. We appreciate all of that. Uh, a lot of recruiting information. Big chance for Georgia to host some visitors on Saturday, and certainly very interesting to see the rate. Interested to see the way the rest of that list plays out. Obviously, Jeff Sintel, an invaluable resource 
as we do all of that. We also want to go cruise around the SEC here, courtesy of our friends at Royal Caribbean. A quick reminder to you that it's a great time to be back on the seas again. And it's just great to have those Royal Caribbean ships back on the seas there as well. Uh, great opportunity to take a Royal Caribbean cruise. And listen, the one thing that everybody's thinking about when it comes to those Royal Caribbean cruises, I'm talking about Perfect Day Coco Cay. Wonderful, wonderful island oasis, private island in the Bahamas, exclusively available to those on Royal Caribbean cruises. And I know a lot of folks getting those uh, vacation trips ready to go for the end of this year, moving into 2022. I'm not going to lie to you. I spent some time yesterday kind of looking at that schedule thing. And boy, how, how nice would it be for me to be able to get on one of those Royal Caribbean cruises here coming up very soon. So I'm thinking about that. I hope you're thinking about that there as well. It's a great time to do that with Royal Caribbean. I, I'm dying to see Perfect Day, Coco Cay. So I, the last time I was on a Royal Caribbean cruise ship, Perfect Day, uh, you know, was kind of just kind of coming together. I really haven't had the full Perfect Day, Coco Cay experience. Been to Coco Cay, but kind of pre-Perfect Day, Coco Cay. So, boy, I, I'm just I'm really really eager to do that. I know a lot of our audience kind of brings it up all the time as one of those things that just seems really fun, uh, a great thing to be able to do. And of course. If you're looking to book your own trip, my advice to you is to always use someone who really knows all of the ins and outs of what a Royal Caribbean vacation is really supposed to be. That's who you want to turn to here. My friends at the Cruise and Vacation Authority, not only is it UG alumni who run the place, but they're also really deeply entrenched in everything going on with Royal Caribbean. So they're going to help you get the best vacation experience possible. And that's what Royal Caribbean can do for you. So website to remember here is TCAVA.com. That's TCAVA.com. It'll get you in touch with the Cruise and Vacation Authority, you also give them a call, 770-952-8300. That's 770-952-8300. All right, let's do our SC see-through here and cruise around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean, here for a moment. You know, at one point in time, there was this large assumption that Kirby Smart was just a carbon copy of Nick Saban in every way, that Smart learned everything that he learned from Saban, and that Smart was going to replicate, or as the Alabama fans would say, copy Nick Saban in all regards. But boy, isn't it interesting, as Kirby goes through his coaching career and Nick Saban continues to be in Alabama, that some clear differences between the two sometimes start to emerge, that, that Smart really is his own man. He does things his own way, and not everything that Smart does is exactly like Nick Saban does. I'll give you a quick example here. Think about going into the Florida game a week ago where you know Kirby's asked a number of questions of, revenge factor you know you, your team feel that motivation to go out and beat florida given the fact that florida won a year ago and you could add to that the fact that over the course of time you know florida and georgia haven't shied away from being rivals with each other dan mullins fans the flames of that a little bit you feel that revenge factor when you play florida and kirby smart no matter how many times you asked him that a week ago uh boy he just kind of downplayed the whole thing he says that's yeah, I'm paraphrasing here but that's not a really efficient way to get ready for a football game he was not a huge fan of using revenge as a part of that in fact even to the point where we almost denied that that idea even existed boy a little bit different approach this week for Alabama coach Nick Saban about another game that could in a way be a revenge game although it's revenge for something that happened two years ago you know uh uh LSU beat Alabama in 2019 and man there was a lot of crowing after that happened you may remember we played the audio for you at the time of the streaming video inside the LSU locker room. And I always kind of felt like this was a sanction leak. It was the kind of thing that was let out. But but I think that Orgeron was actually pretty okay with it, where he was like, and we're going to, you know, kick their blank in recruiting. We're going to kick their blank on the field. We're going to do all this kind of stuff, like really getting alpha. But the fact that he'd beaten uh, Alabama, and man, Alabama just notices that kind of thing. And 
I want to read you this quote. This is from Nick Saban's radio show last night. Uh, he says, I've always thought that revenge should not be a motivator. But, he says, and, and anytime there's that conjunction in a sentence, the only thing that matters is what comes after the but. When he says, I always thought that revenge should not be a motivator, a, a motivator, he says, but it is. I must tell you, when people disrespect somebody in some kind of way, and sometimes it doesn't have to be that they said anything or did anything, maybe it's a humiliating loss or whatever you had, I do think it's a motivating factor for people from a pride standpoint uh, to, I guess, for a lack of a better term, get even or whatever you might say. But again, it goes back to my thing of always saying players should want to be the best players they can be because of who they are and what they want to accomplish. And that's what they want to do. And revenge to me is an external factor. It's an external factor that motivates you. So, I mean, I'm listening to Nick Saban right there saying, nah, listen, you know, revenge not all that important, but it actually is. And we're actually very, very fueled to go out there and get some revenge against LSU for what he describes as, you know, potentially a humiliating loss in 2019. Didn't like losing that game in Bryant-Denny Stadium. Now, I don't have to tell you, listen, you should do it. You make your own financial decisions. Alabama sits about a 28 and a half point favorite on Saturday. That looks like a pretty juicy number to me right now. I think that Alabama is quite motivated to exceed that spread on Saturday. In fact, I think they'll probably do that easily. I don't typically love big, huge point spreads, but against LSU on Saturday, I think that Alabama may have the the juice that it needs to go for the extra score there late. And I think this is one of the reasons why we played some audio for you earlier this week of Orgeron seemingly in just kind of a pretty bad mood. You know, not only is he a lame duck coach, I think he knows that he is walking into a buzz buzz saw here on this weekend. I just think he knows that. I think he's no. I think he knows he's heading for trouble there in that game. So I think that Saban here, being very honest, yeah, they do feel a little bit of a desire to go out there and uh, get that revenge. That is a little bit of a source of motivation. He's going to catch that on the front end, the back end, with the stuff that coaches are supposed to say. But buried in the middle, I believe, is his actual true opinion. I think that Alabama does not like LSU very much. And I think that what happened in 2019, even if most of the individual particulars that led that to occur have moved on, Joe Burrow's not there anymore, Joe Brady's not there anymore, Jamar Chase's not there anymore, all the big players and, and some of the big coaches in that team have now moved on, the uniform still looks the same. And I think that Alabama is going to be looking to beat up on that uniform on Saturday. By the way, speaking of LSU, I also think this is pretty interesting too. And this report comes to us via Bruce Feldman from The Athletic. That um, So we know a couple of weeks ago that Jimbo Fisher was asked about the Texas A&M job, and he gave a pretty – I should say he was asked about his current job, Texas A&M, in light of the LSU opening, and he gave a pretty emphatic answer, at least as almost as emphatic as one would and one could, that he felt very happy, very comfortable at, LSU, at, at uh, Texas A&M, and he just wasn't looking to move on anywhere else. That was just not what he wanted to do. He thought he had you know best job in the world or whatever it was that he said. Well, interesting uh, report here coming from Bruce Feldman, who apparently thinks that uh, LSU is not going to give up yet on all of this. So he says, the this is Feldman, I think he said this on Fox Television. He says, the LSU coaching search is really interesting because even though Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M had said he plans on to remain at Texas A&M and kind of doused a lot of the speculation that Woodward, the uh, AD at LSU, wouldn't be able to hire him again. Uh, he says, remember, uh, Woodward, when he was at the AD and A&M, was, was able to pry Jimbo Fisher away from uh, Florida State. So what Feldman says is, from what I'm hearing from people around LSU, is that Scott Woodward is not giving up easily. And he feels like he may be able to pull Jimbo Fisher again, even though the A&M people are like, no, that's not going to happen. So we'll see how this plays out. That was Bruce Feldman. He works for The Athletic, but he also works for Fox. He said that on TV that 
apparently Scott Woodward, who used to be the athletic director at Texas A&M, who's friends with Jimbo Fisher, was able to hire Fisher away from Florida State to an A&M, even though there's been this public denial on the part of of, uh, of Fisher that he'd leave for the LSU job. Apparently LSU's not going to quite take no for an answer yet on that. I've said this a million times. This is the reason why Jimbo Fisher makes so much money. You know, people try to do this stuff of, well, you know, you compare Jimbo Fisher to Jim Harbaugh, same kind of record, same whatever else, trying to make, you know, Fisher sound like an overrated coach. The truth is you have to play some games to get there on that. You have to look at the end of his tenure at Florida State and in light of the way that Florida State has been since Jimbo Fisher left and how much better Fisher's been since moving on, all of a sudden I'm not quite so sure those losses there at Florida State really hang like a yoke around the neck of Jimbo Fisher and, and all of that. And furthermore, you want to know why Jimbo Fisher makes as much money as he does? It's the presence of LSU. The fact that not just Scott Woodward and AD that used to hire him, but go back to you know previous times before that when it certainly seemed like that Jimbo Fisher was at least considering becoming the LSU head coach for reasons that had nothing to do with Woodward before Woodward got to the job there in Baton Rouge. So you are always in this life, in this world, worth what someone's willing to pay you. And LSU has shown more than once that it's willing to potentially pay Jimbo Fisher a lot to steal him away as a head coach. And Texas A&M, with the big salary that it's given Jimbo, is just simply trying to play defense against all of that. And oh yeah, by the way, at one point in time, maybe hiring Jimbo Fisher wouldn't have seemed like such a big coup for LSU, given the fact that in the early stages of the season, Texas A&M really struggled with an injured starting quarterback and uh, an offense that just wasn't quite coming into its own. But since then, they've beaten Alabama. They're figuring some out, figuring out some things offensively, including with Zach Calzada at quarterback. All of a sudden, this drama and this coaching search, I think, gets pretty interesting. Let me quickly roll through some of the other games of this weekend of note worth paying attention to. I think the SEC has done a pretty interesting job of putting a total blackout on Hugh Freeze going back to Ole Miss. I mean, have you heard anything about this this week? Uh, I think it's pretty fascinating, and yet if you really kind of pay attention to the to the key you know distributors of of news, and largely that's kind of the 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 leader in that regard, is always going to be the SEC network. I mean, I'm not trying to like argue conspiracy theory here, but it doesn't seem like that Freeze returning to Oxford's been a little undercovered this week. That that maybe hasn't gotten as much attention as it maybe should. I sort of get the impression on that. Pretty interesting game. I just talked about A and M a lot. I think A and M Auburn's a terrific football game. And I think that Tennessee-Kentucky in its own right is kind of interesting there as well. Nationally, we'll do this kind of quick. Ohio State goes on the road to Nebraska. They're looking to make their case to be one of the nation's best teams. Take an eye, Keep an eye on Michigan here uh, with uh, Indiana kind of uh, rolling in on Saturday. Michigan, remember, after losing to Michigan State this past week, was still seventh in the college football playoff top 25 rankings. I think giving you an indication that Michigan is still very much part of this playoff discussion, despite the fact that people like to mock Harbaugh and despite the fact the Wolverines took a loss. I think that that's worth paying attention to. Of course, undefeated Wake Forest, you should know, going on the road to UNC this weekend is an underdog. So an unranked team favored against a team undefeated and ranked in the top 10 of the college football playoff top 25. Keep your eye on that. And Cincinnati gets Tulsa. It's a chance for Cincinnati to finally do what they really haven't done very much lately, which is really beat up and hang a pretty score in one of these AAC teams. For the most part, Cincinnati's failed to do that. If they want to have a national championship case, they're going to have to. Uh, Michigan State, fresh off winning against Michigan, goes on the road to Purdue. Be very careful there. That is a very small point spread for Michigan State, perhaps a harbinger of what could be to come there. 
And then you got Oregon on the road at Washington, a little bit of a rivalry game, and maybe made it a little bit spicier because Jimmy Lake, the Washington coach, seemingly mocked Oregon's academic credentials a little earlier this week. So maybe you got some of that to pay attention to there as well. We'll make that cruiser on the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger, I want to turn our attention back to the Georgia Bulldogs for a moment. And obviously one of the things that's going to be cool when you think about Saturday's game is the fact that former Georgia coach Mark Rick is going to be honored. Obviously, I think this is well-deserved. Anytime you have the chance to really celebrate what was, I think, for Rick, a, a truly special legacy. Obviously, a lot of that's off the field because of the kind of man that he is. But a lot of that's also on the field as well because of the fact that Rick helped break a 20-year drought for Georgia of winning SEC titles and won another one three years after that and was in a position to almost win a national championship. Certainly his on-field legacy is a prodigious one, but off the field he'll be remembered as one of the great men that college football has ever produced. And it was great this week to hear Kirby Smart talk about both sides of that with Rick, what he means to him as a coach, what he means to him as a man. And obviously Smart didn't hold back with his praise. And so as a way of wrapping up our week, hearing Smart on Rick seems like an appropriate way to do that. Here is Kirby. He's meant so much to so many. I think when you talk to the players that I know all the guys that played for him, I've seen so many alumni and players that have just, they come back to events and they just rave about their relationship. And you see guys like Terrence Edwards and, you know, Ben Watson and these great players that uh, just respect uh, Coach Rick and the things he did for this university. I certainly feel the same way. And couldn't be prouder to be honoring him. You heard Smart mention Terrence Edwards by name. We had Terrence in the show yesterday, and we did talk to him about Coach Rick. And uh, Terrence did as Smart predicted that he would rave about the relationship that he has with him. And we're going to do more of that as part of our classic moment here this week in the Dog Nation video channels presented by Classic City Logger. That's just some of what uh, of what you know Rick brings to the table. Smart highlights that, but also pointing out that when it comes to running a program, the on field, the nuts and bolts things that are involved with being a football coach that Rick was really good at that too and smart now benefits at least some from that here's more from Kirby learned a lot from him learned a lot about being the right kind of person and uh, how to run an organization the right way and there's been a lot to my career and I was really only with him for one year but always followed him from from afar because you know he was at my alma mater and respected the job he did and uh, he certainly made this um, a really good job from the way he built everything and the things he did uh, the time he was here. I think that's a gracious concession from Kirby because uh, Rick did make this a really good job. He raised the stature of the Georgia program, went 9-3 and three in his final season of 2015, was in contention for really the entire thing uh, for most of the 2014 season, obviously great success and many years prior to that there as well. Ultimately, maybe it was time for a change when Georgia moved on from Rick, and sometimes that happens in life and certainly it happens in college football, but – when Kirby took over the Georgia job, he certainly didn't inherit a bare cupboard. And Smart used the the resources and the foundation that was in place, and he's now built on that program even more. Ultimately, Georgia's lucky to have Smart now and was lucky to have Rick then. And as someone who's kind of grown up watching all of these Georgia coaches and leading this program to the part that it is right now, I just feel pretty thankful to have had the entire thing. Rick inspiring for the way that he lives off the field and enjoyable for what he accomplished on the field and Smart taking that baton from him and looking to take it to the next level, certainly to hear one talk of the other, to see them both in the same stadium on Saturday, I'd say for UGA fans is truly a pretty cool thing. Really quick before we wrap up here, speaking of cool things, check out the finished long drink. You hear me talk all the time about the four different varieties, whether it be the long drink traditional, comes in a blue can, has the grapefruit flavor, 
uh, with the with the gin kick. Obviously, there's also the long drink cranberry. My wife loves that. It's as you would imagine. It's got the cranberry. Uh, you get the long drink strong, the black can, eight and a half percent alcohol by volume. Long drink zero, of course, no sugar in that. That's a great thing for so many of us there too. So you're hearing all those choices of which of these long drinks is the best one for me. Well, the good news is you actually don't have to make a choice anymore. Long drink has now come out with these eight pack variety packs, eight, eight, eight can variety packs, where you get two of each of the different varieties of the long drink, the traditional, the cranberry, the strong, the, the, the zero, you get all of that available to you. So if you go to the, if, if you'll find out more about the finished long drink, by going to the long that's the long You can find out where you can pick up some today, bar near you, beverage store near you, golf course near you, whatever near you, all across Athens, all across the state of Georgia. Check out the finished long drink online at thelongdrink.com, and you can find out where you can pick up one of these eight-can variety packs there today. All right, we're going to try to run through some uh, golden shoes here pretty quickly because we've kind of gone a little long on the show. Uh, I'm going to kill them. I'm going to end up blowing past my music, but we'll still do this nonetheless. Let me see the first one of these here for a moment. A uh, golden shoe here today. Obviously, pretty cool stuff being shared. First of all, Michael Tyler wanted to do this. He says, can you please plug this Facebook group on the podcast? We've got so many dog fans in Florida, and we need 4,000 vouchers before we can get a UGA tag in Florida. I've purchased six, and I only have two cars. No excuse for not being able to get this done. So the Facebook group is Bring UGA License Plate to Florida. I actually saw the uh, plane flying last week that had a message kind of encouraging Georgia fans to do that. So sounds like they're at 1,612 right now. They need a few more. So if you're a Floridian, we have a lot of Floridians that listen to us who are big Georgia fans. Go ahead and get your Georgia-themed license plate so everybody can have one because you can't have them until everybody does. So as Michael says, let's do that there. Good job, Floridians, for trying to get that done. Our next golden shoe, our buddy Jermaine King. This is a reference from last night's Cover 4 Live when Jermaine said it's 2 a.m. and I just finished this edit for you. Uh, he says, I thought I would give you a good Friday chortle. Hashtag go dogs. Hashtag JD to NYC. Hashtag Georgia Vice. Daniels and Pickens. So what I said was, Given the fact that the, one of the playoff games in Miami at the Orange Bowl uh, and the possibility that maybe a George Pickens comes back from injury, that maybe JT Daniels is healthy back then, I wanted to see those two guys kind of strutting into Miami like Crockett and Tubbs from the old Miami Vice. And I'm telling you, Jermaine's done a great job on this. And I'll tell you the coolest part of all this is, is that he's got the 80s-themed Georgia T-shirt underneath uh, JT Daniels. Sonny Crockett style linen coat. Like that's the coolest part of all of this. That's the part that I'm sure probably took probably the most work to do. Jermaine's very talented on stuff like that. He's also just a very funny guy. He kind of has a great sense of humor. So that is well done all the way around Jermaine. We have a couple of other golden shoes to give out here today as well. William, who's uh, at GT Killer 82, says 70% of the world's covered by water. The rest is covered by Nicobe Dean. And after that pick six interception against Florida, you could certainly believe that's true. He's probably covering more ground in Georgia right now than those Joe Roo spiders are. That may be uh, what N'Kobe Dean has as a claim to fame right now. So good stuff by GT Killer on that. Our buddy William Perry, uh, apparently he and some of his friends took the hashtag Keep Dan Mullen sign with them to uh, Jacksonville last week. Obviously, a lot of Georgia fans want Dan Mullen to stay right where he is. And so I think that's pretty funny. So a pretty good job by William on that. Uh, Josh Johansson shared this. This is kind of funny. He says, Jeff Collins is not going to like the tweet from uh, Blooper here, who's going to Athens on Saturday. And then he's down there at the bottom, got Kirby Smart smiling, Jeff Collins wondering what's going on. Instead of a 404 takeover, this may be a 404 Passover. 
with Blooper deciding to come to Athens instead of coming to uh, Atlanta for Georgia Tech on Saturday. That's pretty funny stuff by Josh Johansson sharing all that. Is that the last one? Yes, yeah, so uh, good stuff there. Great golden shoe submissions and a great way to close out our week. How about a Gator Hater countdown? Dogs go back to Jacksonville. Get another win against those Florida Gators. Just 358 days from right now. We will see you Monday. Enjoy the game this weekend. Uh, enjoy high school football with us here tonight. Prayed this afternoon. What a time to be in the state of Georgia. So enjoy all of that. We'll see you back here Monday. Dog Nation Daily presented by Kroger. And on the podcast, time now for the R.S. Andrews podcast, Cool Down, where we'll take a couple of your quick comments. We do have to be kind of quick today, though, because uh, it is uh, pretty late. I, I've gotten to a habit, and I know I kind of joked about this, that the shows have just gotten really long. And so we're trying not to make them too super long. But they just been a lot going on lately. I guess that's all there is to it. And maybe my big fat mouth won't shut up long enough. But nonetheless, um, shows have gotten pretty long. So we're going to keep this kind of short today. And so that way you can digest this in time for the game to kick off at noon on Saturday. How about that? Let's make that as a, at least a meager goal. Uh, I got an interesting tweet from uh, Brian Wheeler, who's um, at uh, RxDog98 uh, on t- uh, Twitter, who writes in that he's driving down from St. Louis for the game. See you at the postgame show at the UJ Bookstore. Uh, Brian, I'm glad to hear that you're coming down, and I can't wait to see you there for that. That's, that's really fun. I, I'm so happy for that and hope you have safe travels coming down here for that. And obviously, it's always so cool to to hear folks and meet folks each and every week who get a chance to come in from out of time out of town. It may be the only game they're coming to for the entirety of the year, but they get a chance to really have that special moment. So uh, I'm happy for everybody gets a chance to do that. I know that for a lot of us, this is also the time of year you start thinking about, wow, only a couple more times to do this here for 2021. You think about all the time you spend during the year getting ready for football season, then you just blink your eye and it's done. I'm always fascinated by that. The, the other sports just seem to linger and last forever. You know, baseball is like every night for what feels like 10 months. You know, uh, even the NFL season is 20-something weeks long, it seems like. But uh, college football is one of those deals where you wait forever, you start it, you blink your eye, it's 20% done. You blink your eye again, it's halfway done. You blink your eye again, it's over. It just always seems to go by so fast. So we don't quite yet know how this one's going to end and you have every reason to believe that it's going to end a lot later than a lot of Georgia seasons have all the way into January with the thought of winning it all and maybe actually getting over that hump and winning that national championship trophy. But as uh, Brian's tweet reminds us that it's important to make the most of each and every game, whether it's driving a long way to get there or settling in with friends and family in front of a TV or whatever it is, finding a way to enjoy yourself and take advantage of a couple of remaining home games here in Athens, including that noon start tomorrow against Missouri an important thing to keep in mind. So for all of you, however you're planning on doing that, I hope it truly is a special Saturday, and I appreciate you being here as part of our R.S. Andrews podcast cool down here today. And of course, if you want to make your weekend enjoyable, one of the ways to do that is keep in mind that if your water heater will go out, if you have some sort of plumbing issue or electrical issue, R.S. Andrews is the one you can turn to to help you with that. Or if you're worried about it's going to be cold tonight, you know, for instance, if you're worried about that heating system not making its way through the winter that's still on its way, that's going to be here before you know it, We'll get some peace of mind by getting it tuned back up to factory fresh specs. Once again, rsandrews.com, the one to think of for all of that. Online, rsandrews.com. Our friends at RS Andrews will take good care of you. They'll also see you this afternoon on the Dog Nation video channels. Our buddy Dari Payro for Go With The Flow, presented by RS Andrews. So enjoy all of that, and we'll see you in Athens tomorrow. Pre-game show, Kroger kickoff, post-game at the UGA Bookstore, and throughout the day online at dognation.com. And then back here again on Monday, for Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger. We'll talk to you then, everybody.